0: The Wicked Smart Sports guys is brought to you by CellmaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. Cellmax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy duty ultra alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. Summix batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands and the best part, Summix batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, smoke tools, gaming tools, headphones, digital cameras, hearing smoke lamps, whatever device you need a battery for, Summix batteries have the best batteries at the best price for your device. Guys, Halloween is right around the corner, two weeks, okay? You don't want to have your Halloween decorations out there and run out of batteries on Halloween, okay? You don't want that to happen. So, go to Summixbatteries.com, stock up, you can order a 24 pack of AA or AAA heavy duty batteries for only 5 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline ideal for all kinds of gaming high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON, that's all our case, BOSTON, at checkout and save 20% off your entire order. That's coupon code BOSTON at checkout and say big today. studies.com, C-E-L-M-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks as always to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. The Bruins season is underway, and we're going to get into some of what's gone on this season and what's coming up for the Bruins with Guy Bosses Sports Bruins writer Jeremy Perigo. Jeremy, welcome back to the show.
1: Glad to be back, as always.
0: So, Jeremy, the Bruins 5-1 and one here in the early going. What are your early impressions of the team over the first half month? What do you thought of the team so far this season?
1: Well, I think when the Stanley Cup ended in June and the Bruins fell one game short of winning the Stanley Cup. People were not sure how the team was going to come back uh, the following season and all indications of it so far through um, where we at six games looking pretty darn good. They very well could be undefeated.
0: Right I'm, I'm sure people hate to hear you bring up the Stanley Cup again but it has become something that's just kind of going to hang over this team all season especially with the matchup against St. Louis coming up which we'll get to in a second but I guess the thing that stands out here in the early going, Jeremy, is just how reliant they are on the first line again. And you look at the numbers right now, 63% of their points in this season, 63 are coming from the first line, which is very high. I mean, that's significantly higher than it was last season. I think it was around 50% last season, but it's hard to find those numbers. But getting scoring out of the other lines continues to be a huge issue for this team. Now, they only have one loss right now, so it's not hurting them yet, obviously. But with that said, Jeremy, does it concern you how the first line is once again carrying this team? And what have you thought of the play of the other lines this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll preface it all, obviously, by saying it's pretty early into the, uh, season, and this is coming off a game where David Pasternak, uh, and Brad Marchand had, well, David Pasternak had four goals, and Brad Marchand had at least a couple of assists on it, so that also skews it a little bit, but, um, no, this is no old, old, uh, this is no new narrative, it's certainly an old one as far as the Bruins go, um, with their first line being the most productive out of, out of all four of their lines, and, It's really been largely due to the fact that they've had a hard time uh, pairing up David Krejci with a scoring right winger or someone that fits at least well in some capacity with him. Uh, This season they've really tried Carson Kuhlman uh, on the right wing, and obviously Jake DeBrusk has been his left winger for a while. Uh, The third line, they've kind of started to piece together as well with Charlie Coyle down there uh, alongside Danton Heinen and uh, newly acquired Brett Ritchie. I actually kind of like how that line's coming together, and we're going to see – going forward, how they produce, but, um, Tanton been someone who's kind of flown, uh, through all three, or excuse me, all four of the lines, primarily the top three lines, when they've tried to figure out, you know, do we put David Pasternak with David Krejci to get more scoring, uh, and then put Danton Heinen on the first line, they didn't love that combination, um, I think Krejci and Pasternak play well together, but, Pasternak plays even better with Bergeron and Marchand, it makes way more sense to have him on that line, and, uh, not Heinen, so, it it's going to continue. We might be seeing some resolve in that in the near future, hopefully. Like I said, I, I like Kuhlman up there. He's not someone who's going to be dangling the puck through everyone, but he's a fast guy who goes hard in the corners and can make plays happen with, with Krejci and, and DeBrusque. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But, um, I'm, I, am i am optimistic at this point, I'd say.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, and that spot on the wing next to Krejci has been a problem for so many years. So I'm curious to know, I mean, what would you do if you were the GM? They've done so many moves over the past and nothing has stuck so far. So what would you do if you were the Bruins right now to try to find help for Krejci on the wing?
1: Um, well, there's a lot of talk about Honors Bjork, who's in Providence. He's been a highly touted prospect for the Bruins for a few seasons now. He's had some stints, uh, with the team hasn't, you know, he got injured, but he also hasn't played to his full potential. There's some talk of him coming up sometime in the near future. I mean, Don Sweeney wasn't inactive in the offseason. He did bring in Richie, brought Parlin home in, who's been, you know, as advertised, they're both players that aren't super flashy. Richie struggled in Dallas, but uh, scored the first goal of the season for the Bruins against his former team uh, in the first game for, for Boston. So um, it is, you know, it is what it is. And quite frankly, when you see the GM having to make only a few moves to fix the team, That's generally a good thing. If you see a GM that's making all kinds of moves in the offseason, that's probably a sign that the team's not performing very well. So I think more tinkering is probably what you're going to see from Don Sweeney. And I don't think the Bruins should be upset with that. I mean, they have a really, really strong team. The best in the league, quite frankly, through the first few games of the season. Outside of the Colorado Avalanche, which are undefeated still, but they played the Bruins and, and that game probably should have gone to Boston. They got a couple of tough calls that we can get into or not it's not a huge issue to be honest with you. If that first line scoring, obviously if they aren't, then it becomes more of a problem. Uh, But it's definitely their number one concern right now as an organization.
0: So Jeremy, at what point does Krejci deserve a little bit more of the blame for this? Because yes, I mean, they haven't gotten anyone anyone's very happy with there on the right wing. Anyone that's extremely talented. But at the same time, you'd assume they've thrown so many bodies there that somebody would stick. He'd create some chemistry at least with somebody and would work. And I mean, you look at, I mean, not to compare Bergeron because Bergeron's obviously far better. But Everybody always talks about it's always the thing with Bergeron. You put someone on the line with Bergeron, they're going to produce because that's Bergeron just makes players better. And Krejci just doesn't seem to elevate guys in that same way. So at what point does Krejci deserve a little bit more blame for his line not scoring the way it should be?
1: Well, I think you know maybe you're right when you say that he doesn't elevate the players around him the same way that Bergeron does. But at the same time, I mean David Krejci and I we have the numbers uh, right in front of me here somewhere. He had, I believe, so he had 73 points last season and. The last time he got even that close was 2008, 2009, hit exactly 78. So he had his best points-wise season, uh, last year that he's had, and he played 81 out of the 82 games, uh, in a while. So, I mean, he's getting the numbers. He's producing the points. And I, you know, that's a question, right? He's the highest paid Bruin on the team. Only barely. He makes about 7 million. But, um, is he worth that? I mean, I, The point production is there. Is it his fault that he can't, that they can't find a winger to play with him? No, I think it's quite frankly not his fault. I mean, he's played well with DeBrusque and DeBruska is stuck around on the left, but they haven't had someone to fill that void on the right. And I don't know. I mean, Krejci, don't get me wrong. He's a pass first player. There are so many times when you're watching him play, you want him just to see him rip the puck. And when he does, a lot of time he does score, but he's just, it's his mentality. He's not an overly physical guy. He's highly calculated in a lot of things he does on the ice. But, I mean, you can only blame him for so much because he he is putting up the numbers. And that last season was without, you know, a solid right winger. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I sure, you can put some of it on Krejci, but um, and no one's Patrice Bergeron, I think that's a really good one-two center combo, if you ask me uh, to follow up Patrice Bergeron with David Krejci, because Krejci could be a first-line center on a bunch of teams around this league. So. Well,
0: you bring up last season, and yes, that was a great season, but this season has been a different story so far. And you remember a lot of people talked about the fact that potentially trade rumors prior to last season which was kind of a result of you know the Bruins being interested in John Tavares and maybe they're going to trade Katri that that speculation kind of led you know people thought it led to the great season he had it kind of motivated him and now you look at it, they tried to, to trade him this offseason. Not as you know, not as much speculation, but there was similar trade speculation this offseason. And it just doesn't seem to be motivating him in the same way. So, I mean, do you think the Bruins should have moved him this offseason? Where were you at with that? And are we seeing now on the ice that, yeah, they probably should have traded him this offseason?
1: I mean... David Krejci's got no movement in his contract, right? So they would have he would have to approve, or uh, the specifics of it, I'm not 100% certain. But he has no movement through this year and no trades through 2019, 20. So I think if they uh, they have to at least get him to sign off on some aspect of it, right? And he hasn't expressed any interest in it before, and, and and I think someone who's obviously you know as a player you try to tune out as much as you possibly can the outside noise, what people are saying about you. But I know it's gotten to him on some level. And I think that's a lot of the pushback you got. I mean, like, John Tavares was always a pipe dream for the Bruins, to be honest with you. And they didn't, they would have had to make some major moves and that, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And quite frankly, let the Leafs have them because their cap situation is hell right now. And, you know, for what it is, what you want to say about the Bruins and their contracts, they're in a much better position right now than the Maple Leafs are. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily need, think they needed that. Um, Anything you get from John Tavares, the Bruins are already getting offensive-wise, and they have the leadership. So it it would have – obviously Tavares would have helped the team, but uh, that's a bit more of a shakeup for the reward um, you're going to be getting. So um, I don't know. It's been talked about for years, and who knows what David Krejci uh, – his contract is up, what, 21, 22. So it, it's getting there, but I, I don't think he should be the lightning rod for why this team hasn't been performing or the second line hasn't been performing. Um, because that second line was really good years ago when Nathan Horton and, and Neil and Lucic were there with him. Obviously, the league has moved much more towards speed and outmoded players like, like Horton and, and Lucic a bit. And uh, Lucic is having uh, what you would consider success for him in Calgary. But um, it, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing because I said Krejci's not someone who loves contact, uh, loves to be hit around. So it worked well when Lucic and Horton were there with him. But, um, at the same time, the game has become less physical too, so that shouldn't necessarily be a problem. Uh, I don't know. I mean if I had the answer, I'd probably be working for the Bruins trying to figure it out right now. and I'm sure they're, they're still scratching their head as to what to do for it, but um, we'll have to wait and see like we're only you know five six games into the season, so uh, time will tell.
0: Well, Jeremy, I guess what I really am getting at here is Krejci's 33. There was speculation of trading him this offseason. For sure. A lot of it had to do with the Bruins cap situation, but some of it had to do with... I mean, people were concerned. Is this the highest Krejci's value is going to be coming off a great season? Like you said, the best year he's had in years... Was that the time to get the most value from Krejci if you had the opportunity to trade him? You know, if he would have accepted a trade somewhere. So I guess what I'm really getting at is what is your level of concern right now with David Krejci? It sounds like you're pretty confident in him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am. And I have been for years because if you really watch David Krejci play, and I know a lot a lot of people like to speculate about a team and underperformance and, oh, you're getting paid so much, Bergeron's only making this, Martian's only making this, why aren't you putting up these numbers? It's like, okay, fine. But watch the games too because he does a lot of good things. And there were times last year when David Krejci was their best player, and it it doesn't get highlighted nearly enough, largely because he's not a flashy finisher. He's not playing with the same caliber of guys around him. Uh, these things bring, you know, it's like the goaltender. You only really notice them when they're playing poorly, right? Because people, that's when people want to talk about the goalie. So, I mean, we're sitting here so many games into the season, and we don't even have to talk about goaltending besides the fact that it's been really good, right? It's a non-starter on radio shows because they don't have any lightning rod things to say about them. So, I mean... It's easy to say it when a player is not performing, but I mean, you hardly heard anything about David Krejci last year, to be honest, because in a negative way, because he was doing so well. Uh, yeah, you do want to get the most for someone, uh, after a season like that. There was talk with Krug, too, because he was performing really well. Uh, maybe move him and get something for him, but, uh, I think the team has learned for both of those players. It makes more sense to keep them and take a run at the Stanley Cup than it does to try to move them because, uh, they provide a unique value. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly Torrey Krug and also David Krejci in that same respect.
0: Okay, Jeremy, I do want to talk about this four-game stretch coming up for Boston. They have Tampa and then two against Toronto, and then they finish it off with a Stanley Cup Finals rematch against St. Louis, so that we talked about earlier. So what are your thoughts on these matchups? Kind of a brutal stretch of games here. And uh, what, what do you think? What, what do you think of all these games just coming right in a row like
1: this? Um, I think it's a good time in the season. You know, you've seen a lot of success early from the team. They've strung together a lot of wins against some pretty solid teams. It's going to be one of the best teams out in the West, and they pretty handily, even going down two goals early in that game, uh, ended up winning it, so, and if they face Colorado, Dallas, while they've gotten off to a slower start, hasn't, isn't, it should be one of the better teams in that division, and, um, now you're seeing Toronto twice, Tampa, and St. Louis all in a row like this. It's gonna be a really good benchmark for the Bruins. Um, Tampa hasn't played super well to start this season. It's a little concerning for the Tampa Bay Lightning because they got, got off to a hot start. They were the top of the league for, like, 80 of the 82 games last season, something crazy like that, and right now they're like, Two, two, and one. So, and they've lost the Ottawa Senators of all teams. So, I think Tampa's is a team that's still trying to struggle to find themselves too. And they're going to they're see the Bruins as a benchmark as much as the Bruins are going to see Tampa as a benchmark. And obviously, Toronto and Boston with their history in the playoffs of recent, that that's going to be a huge two games for both of those teams. St. Louis playing Boston last year in the Stanley Cup final. I haven't loved what I've seen from St. Louis either, though their record is is decent. Um, I kind of thought coming into the scene that they're going to be one of those teams that maybe doesn't – and this is not a hot take that a lot of people saw as maybe a team that was a one-and-done as far as winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, Jordan Bennington is relatively unproved besides half of the season last year. And even so, I, I, I'm i not super high on him because I think the team was really good in front of him as well. But um I don't know. It's going to be a really good benchmark for the Bruins. after After these four games, you're going to get a really good sense if this is just a hot start from them or if they really have a chance to be right back in the Stanley Cup final come June of 2020.
0: So, Jeremy, what do you want to see out on the ice from the Bruins in these four games, these tough matchups? And what kind of record do they need to come out of these four games with to kind of make a statement?
1: Um, I would like to see them come with a winning record out of these four games. They have every—there uh there should be no reason for them not to. They have every ability to do that. I think you want to see them maybe shore up a little bit on the back end. You want to see more depth of scoring. Uh I think those two things are probably—obviously, the depth of scoring is a particular interest— uh to Bruins fans who are concerned that they can't rely on the first line all season, and that's you know, that's a reasonable thing to think. So I think definitely looking to see if if they can make the matchups work. And like I said, Coyle, Richie, and Heine on that third line looked really solid. Um DeBrusque should have a goal right now, but doesn't it, that whole well, should depending on how you feel about offsides ruling. Um and, and David Krejci, along with um Kuhlman on that line I've liked what I've seen from them, too. I think we should give them more time before we really pass any major, uh, massive judgments. But definitely those two lines, uh, the fourth line is the fourth line, and as long as they're keeping the puck out of the net and creating scoring chances once in a while in the offensive zone, then that's fine as long as they're playing hard uh, and not giving the defense on the other team any, any room to breathe. That's really all you can ask for. Uh, goal once in a while is nice, but you really want to look those second and third lines to see what you can get from them as far as scoring. Uh, goes.
0: Yeah, Jeremy. Uh, you know, I think if this was the middle of season or the end of the season, there would be a bigger emphasis put on this stretch of the schedule. And, you know, rightfully so, once you get into the middle of the season, the end of the season, you have a better understanding of what the standings going to be and they feel more important. But when you really look at these games now, with two against Toronto, I mean, this is a chance to not just put yourself ahead of Toronto in the early going, but make a statement against the team that you're going to be competing with all season in your division, and, you know, get the edge on them, get the, take advantage of this stretch, get ahead of Toronto in the head-to-head record, and when you get to the end of the season, you look at this stretch of games, and you see those two games against Toronto, that's going to be important, and it might not seem as important now as it's going to seem once we get to the end of the season.
1: Yeah, no, without a doubt, it's a benchmark for sure, And and Toronto particular is the team that you really want to pay attention to there because, um, the fact that they have, you know, they've, this is the Toronto team you're probably going to see for the next like four or five seasons at least. And Tampa Bay, they maybe have one or two before they really kind of run into cat problems again. But Toronto's, I mean, this is the Toronto, their defense isn't great. I talked about how they have John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and William Nylander that are really, Kind of eating up a chunk of their cap, so it's making it very difficult for them to have a really strong defensive core. They have a couple players back there, but it, notably Morgan Riley, but they don't have nearly the decor that the Bruins have assembled under the, you know, the structure they have, the ability they have, uh, because, you know, Bergeron and Marchand. when they signed contracts, Bergeron's was, if we remember back then, Bergeron's, <coughs> excuse me, Bergeron's, contract was a bit of a hometown discount but now if you look back on it years from now it's really really d- deeply discounted compared compared to his comparables around the league and obviously Marshan as well his contract relatively uh, more new considering he took also about half a mil he's closer to six than he is to seven less than Bergeron while he had a hundred point season and that's that's top of the league right there for a very good value so um it's going to be interesting because uh, I know I'm kind of getting away from the, the whole idea of the question but um a team that you're gonna see a lot of and very similar structure from going forward. Um and against the Bruins who have a different cap structure, which build is better? That might be a question you want to pay attention to here. It's gonna be the narrative probably between these two teams. The Bruins have much more of a spread out cap uh structure as far as their team goes and Toronto it's all in kind of one location. So um anytime these teams match up it's always it's gonna be that in the background and not to mention the fact that uh they have a good chance of meeting in the first round again this year, and depending on what happens with Tampa Bay um they very well be in the same position they were this past spring so
0: all right, Jeremy, we didn't get to talk to you before the season, so I just want to ask you before we get out of here what do you think are realistic expectations for the team
1: this season um well, you know this nice start has has obviously changed the way people think about it, but going back to how I was thinking coming into the season, uh you definitely obviously didn't want to see them them. Regress at all, but obviously when they were Game Seven in the Stanley Cup Final, where's your wiggle room there, right? Um, they they're a very much second third round team, and they should be there at the end of the season, right? They should win a couple series, and and the way they're playing now, why not? You know, it's too early to say oh the Bruins are going to be in the Stanley Cup Final, but it's totally reasonable. And the way they performed as of these as of these early games, who knows? I mean, like I said, they look like one of the top two or three teams in the whole league right now, so. Um, there's no reason to think and I know the organization expects them to be right back there Uh they have the lineup for it very much um the same lineup they had when they made it one win short of the Stanley Cup so uh that's that's a reasonable expectation I say second or third round this this season
0: yeah and I think it's gone lost just how good they are because you know I think a lot of people are still dwelling on how last season ended and it you know it's hard to move past that especially for a lot of the fans in Boston but I think that when you really look at it you have to kind of appreciate this team and buy in again and you know just accept the fact that you're going to go through another grind of a season and if you want to get back there you're going to have to fight to get back there but there's no reason to think that they can't just because of how last season ended or to give up on the team this season because of you know the the disappointing end uh to last season. So I mean this team uh is like you said every bit as talented as last year's was and with you know few move with this they had a great trade deadline last season obviously that helped them along you make one or two good moves again this season, and you, you know, there's no reason, like you said, why you shouldn't be right back there fighting for a Stanley Cup again.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, we saw Tampa Bay have almost a perfect, uh, perfect regular season, uh, last season, and obviously it ended for them very poorly in, in the postseason getting swept in four, four games by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So you're seeing it's, it's, it's a grind, obviously, and the Bruins division, one of the top two. If not the hardest division in the whole entire league, so I mean they're going to be playing good good competition more often than not, which is almost better because you know when it comes to it, you're eventually going to be playing the top of the top anyway, so we might as well be just just used to it as opposed to someone who's gotten by and, and played in the weaker division. So uh, we'll see. Like obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be a very good uh, benchmark for them because they're probably playing one of the two of them in the first round. Depending on how it goes out, and like I said, Tampa's not super hot start this season um, is a sign of a team that's still trying to struggle to figure out. I don't know if it's its identity or what it is exactly. They're probably struggling right now as well, but um, they're a team particularly to watch out for because Toronto's looking like they're going to be a good team this year. They obviously, like I said, have defensive problems, but um, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch these three teams battle it out again. And who knows? You know, the Florida Panthers have played. They've been a lot of expect- expectation behind that team as well, and they look like they're off to a decent enough start. Um, so far, they could they could be a team that challenges, and Buffalo is right up there too. Buffalo is a team that won on a 10-game winning streak last season, and they tapered off really hard. Now they have a new coach, Ralph Cougar, who's um, really is trying to, um, you know, I guess change the culture there. I've heard Jack Eichel, their captain, talk about him, and he really likes him, and um, they're 5-1 right now, something like that. So Buffalo could be right up there too, so we'll have to see how it goes forward. And uh, maybe maybe towards the midseason mark, we're going to be thinking a little differently about the Atlantic Division and the teams that are sitting there.
0: All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast, guys. Be sure to go on Twitter, at Jeremy Give him a follow because if you want to keep up with the NFL, if you want to keep up with the NHL or the Bruins at all, he's the guy to follow. He puts out great content on Twitter every day, so be sure to follow him. And Jeremy, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: I appreciate that. It's always a great time to chat about hockey with you.
0: All right, Jeremy. Definitely look forward to talking to you all season long, guys. You remember, you can follow me on Twitter too at kjrlgbs. You can follow the pod on Twitter like at @SmartPod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.